for a thing. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm quite tired. Imagine. It's been uh, it's uh, it's been quite full on, and lots of late nights staying up writing. So the days are quite busy, and then I stay up writing them up till quite late. I sort of always feel quite responsible to be getting something up online every day for people who aren't here, and you know, just capturing some of what we've been doing really. So, uh, yeah, but I'll be okay. I'm, I'm going to take a couple of hours a bit gen- more gently this morning, I think, because this evening we've got the, the premiere of Demain, which is going to be quite a quite a busy evening, I suspect. So, uh, yeah, so we have a bit of a restful afternoon. Can you tell me a little bit about what happened yesterday? You went to the La... La oh, I forgot the name. La... Okay. Le or La... La, La Bourget. I think the Queen told me that it's Le Bourget. Okay, Le Bourget. Okay, okay. Well, I went there anyway. Yeah. Um, how did it go in Le Bourget? What was your, your, your main impression? Do you think that there was kind of a... As you were talking later on, mm. you were just pointing that there was a kind of different feeling. I went yesterday to, to Le Bourget, to the conference centre where the main COP21 is happening. I have a pass that can get me in. And um, it was really fascinating. I mean, it's 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 like another world, you know. They have a the way those processes work. They've developed a a, a language and a culture which is very specific to what they do. So when you come from the outside, it's it's all a bit strange. But there is something. What really struck me was was the um, there seemed a real kind of sense of purpose to it and the language has changed and the sense of commitment has changed really deeply I think over the last few years you know those days when George Bush would come in and say the American way of life is non-negotiable it's negotiable now and the degree of uh, unanimity around the idea that we need to move away from fossil fuels and that coal is finished and you know, not as not as far as as it needs to be, but how far we've moved in the last five years is is really quite remarkable. And I went to an event that was like a, uh, an, a, a the the launch of a thing by the mayor of New Zealand um, about. Um, cutting subsidies for fossil fuels, removing subsidies for fossil fuels. So they reckon that between 1980 and 2010, a third of carbon emissions were caused by the fact that fossil fuels were, were subsidised. And uh, the reason we tend to subsidise them is because the argument is it makes them more affordable to poorer people, but actually it doesn't at all. And if you, stop, cut, if you cut the subsidies and use the money in other ways, you can drive a much better economy. And the level of support for that was really remarkable. So it, f- it felt like culturally there's a real withdrawal of support from fossil fuels. And there was a guy writing in the Telegraph this morning who said, regardless of what's decided in Paris over the next two weeks, fossil fuels are finished. The low carbon economy is here. And that felt like the sense running underneath the whole thing. So I wrote something a little while ago about, um, you know, we, we, people tend to go to something like COP21 and they, and they uh, like, it has to reach this agreement or it's a total failure. 
which I think is the wrong way of looking at it because for me it's a it's a it's a flowing process there's the inevitable flow of history happening here at all levels <clears throat> you know there was incredible kind of coalitions of business there saying just we just need to get this sorted out if we're planning for a low carbon economy just just tell us and we'll get on with it you know just stop changing it and chopping it about so business and politicians and community groups and NGOs and You know, I always tend to look for the best in people, and it was the first day, so obviously everyone was sitting at their stall and trying to look as great as possible. But the fact that we have the President of America coming along and saying, sort this out, this is the time when we're going to do this, and it almost feels like the awful events of a couple of weeks ago here in Paris have kind of stiffened the, the resolve to do something. Um, it, felt, it felt really remarkable. To me, I was, it was really fascinating to be there. Do you have a kind of a positive impression about what is going to happen in terms of resolutions? I think that, I mean, the way I, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a politician, I'm not a, I, I'm not a climate negotiator, you know, I'm not, so, but the way I understand it is that with all of the, so for the first time ever, all the countries sent in pledges of what they would do before the conference started. And when you add up all of those, it's uh, sort of 2.7%, it's 2.7 degree scenario is what it takes us to, which some people immediately run in and say, well, that's a failure. But actually the last agreement that we had was 4.5 degrees. You know, that's a hell of a shift. And I think often in the environmental movement, we just tend to point out the failings. Actually, I think there's a lot of people who deserve a real pat on the back for that. It was a lot of work to get it down to 2.7. And my sense is that there is a lot of political purpose. So, there is a lot of um, intent over the next two weeks to try and push it on further down and to try and get down to two degrees. Will it be perfect? No, it won't be perfect. But as, a, as, as, a, as an indication of how far we've moved in a relatively short period of time, uh, I think it's going to be amazing. But my, my, my sense has been always in sort of coming to these talks has been that COP15 in Copenhagen, everybody was going to Copenhagen imagining that, that it was going to produce this amazing document that everybody would sign up to that would somehow give us everything that everybody wanted. It was going to be this amazing thing that everybody would love and that would solve everything. And as activists, we would all see what we wanted reflected in there. And when it was a disaster, it really floored the climate movement for three or four years. I mean, the impact on it was, was terrible. People were really disillusioned and exhausted. And it's only it's the last two or three years that it's really managed to revive and pick up and get going again. And so for me, I, I feel very strongly that, that I don't come here putting an enormous amount of weight on what is decided there. <clears throat> you know, we come with, with the... Um, with what's happening in transition around the world, and not just transition in the, you know, local food movement, the, the, all the different stuff that's happening around the world, all of that stuff, we didn't wait for an agreement for a piece of paper to, to be signed in a conference centre. We just got on with it and did it because it was what had to be done. And um, 
And the same is the same as the case now. You know, actually, if they if they if they all fall out in over the next two weeks and don't sign anything, or if they sign the most incredible degree uh, document that commits the world to a 1.5 degree legally binding, uh, deeply radical document, it's not going to change what we do at all. We do what we do because it needs to be done and because we love it and it brings communities together and it makes people happy and makes them feel more connected. It creates new livelihoods and jobs. It, da, 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 da. So I'm not putting a huge amount of emotional energy into what's decided. I just bring what's happening and that's what we share and that's what we celebrate.